This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Eminem Video Games, a great local chain of retro video game store here in Pinellas County. My favorite location personally is the new Pinellas Park location. Right. And there they have roughly 7,000 unique game titles in stock, a bunch of consoles, accessories, and even have a consignment section for all the really hard collectible finds. They buy, sell, trade. If you have old games collecting dust that you don't know what to do with, they'll take them for cash or in-store credit. And that's a little bit different than your usual box store gaming stores where they only give you store credit or an exchange of games. They are an easy one-stop shop for all gamers of all ages. They also have their arcade will be reopening in July and restarting their weekly tournaments called Saturday Night Slam. You can check them out online at m-and-a-n-d-m-videogames.com for their online store and news. And now, on with the podcast. sucked yeah we'll get better at it that was that was rough (laughs) that was rough especially recording most of it and like every time that we would like get a little bit farther are you fucking texting during i'm not texting god damn it i'm getting something else pulled up (laughs) because i want i want you to hear it oh my gosh uh that noise in my ear though it sounds like it's like it's like a slow build to something just fucking happening like something's gonna fucking break inside the microphone or my ears and i'm like oh no oh no yeah that's what people with cochlear implants feel like when they hear static i have a buddy of mine helping to get a new theme song for us Mm -hmm. so i was trying to get that plate queued up and i just i don't know why i didn't think about it i can just actually go to the website instead of using it on my phone well, use the well. I didn't know that that was what you were doing. So yeah. why don't you use the phone so that you can play it into the microphone? Well, we'll find out how that sounds, won't we? Yeah, I mean, what's the worst that can happen? So this is what it is. It's supposed to be without. I think without vocals. That's what I suggest, at least, if I can get it to play. If it chooses to play, what the fuck? Just play. Oh yeah, and everybody, my name is Luke Bad News Burton. I'm Psycho Steve Fury. That's. Me. I like this a lot. Yeah. I like this a lot. Wait until it all gets in there. Actually, the vocals don't sound so bad. No. It actually all sounds pretty good. That's some powerful guitar right there. That's Southern Rock, baby. Yeah, man. (laughs) It's called Metal Southern Rock Swamp Metal. The band's called Choke Slam. Choke Slam? That's pretty fitting that's for us. That's pretty fitting. I didn't really put two and two together. That's awesome. But yeah, that's what that is. I like that a lot. Okay, we can pull the trigger on that one. Yeah, I would say that's a... I don't need anybody's help with that. Ah. <laughs> no, I don't need anybody's approval for that. That's a, that's some rock and roll. 
yeah old fashioned. I'm into it. I'm into it. Um, but before we get started with the podcast, um, have you um, you been? It doesn't help. Are you? <laughs> it helps. It does not help. I can hear you clearly eating Chex Mix. Okay, they're right. delicious. I can hear you breaching in the bowl. At least I just picked up one. You took a whole fucking handful. Hi, that, I'm Sheep Fairy. That sounds so disgusting. <laughs> At least I do one, and I try to like chew it slowly so it can't be heard. You're just trying to make sex with the Chex Mex. <laughs> this turned into an ASMR video really quick. Ugh. Weird. I gotta make things so... I mean, I thought I was awkward, but that was just weird awkward. Today, so today on the podcast, if I can find the words to speak, uh, we are going to be going over uh, the history of WCW. Uh, Steve, where are we starting with that, by the way? Because I know that we're going to end with the acquiring of WCW, specifically Shane McMahon walking out on Nitro. Dude, all I know is doing the research for this, I'm like, oh, this is going to be easy and short. No fucking way, man. There is so much behind-the-scenes shit that I did not even know about. Well, I, I think that... I don't want to say that we were jaded, but I think that we just kind of assumed that it was going to be a little bit smoother of an episode because of the length and time. Because WCW really starts with the birth of the NWA. Yeah. In reality. You know, that's because the NWA was represented by WCW for such a long time. And then when WCW shifted and departed from the MWA, it became its own standalone brand that was already recognizable to the United States. Yeah. You know? Um, but, and also just the fact that, like, the NWA was for so long run by one dude. And then after that, completely, like, fell apart. And you can kind of see that same trend with WCW to where, like, after one guy runs it for like an extended period of time Mm -hmm. it just like bounces back and forth between bookers and even when like eric bischoff eventually took over which we'll cover all of this in the episode um it like after he fell off and was no longer the booker it, it bounced around between multiple people until it finally landed in the hands unfortunately of vince russo and ed ferrara um to where we now have what in the wrestling community. I don't know if you remember 2000 WCW. Briefly. It was a shit show. Like it, was, it, like, it was pretty hard to watch. It was hard to watch. I mean, like I grew up in a house with primarily WWE. My first memory is watching Mick Foley falling off the Hell in a Cell. Yeah, which I'm the opposite. Yeah. And we stopped watching WCW because of, it was just real bad. It was really hard to watch. At what point did you stop watching WCW, though? Uh, I honestly can't even remember because it was... It got so... I think the last I watched it, now that I remember it, is the stupid um, cow taser Oh, when, of Goldberg. When they broke the streak? Yeah. Yeah, when they broke the streak, Kevin Nash broke what the streak. What a bullshit way to break a streak that's, that they've been building and building and building... And that's how they do it. Well, let's uh let's dive in 
to the research that we do because I feel like we're going to be touching upon a lot of the stuff that we remember well, and also so just recent stuff that we've been rewatching. When I was doing my research, I tried to keep out as much about the Monday Night Wars as possible because it's just been done and done and done. Yeah, I think that I think that for me when I because the bulk of my research is more so the recent stuff that's like 1993 on. I know a lot of the the stuff that happened just from the research that we've done with the NWA and also just from watching a lot of different wrestling vlogs in like their uh their top ten videos. Yeah. Um but other than that, man, I like I'm pretty like like I am still shocked at like how poorly run this company was everybody thought it was just vince russo too but it no wasn't. Like it, was, it goes back as far as probably early 90s yeah i would say i would say that eric bischoff for the big risks that he took from what i was seeing and from the race research that i did like wwe like a lot of people have a lot of complaints about how it's stale that's the only way yeah. that i can really put it but the company makes a lot of money year over year. And at the end of the day, I understand that like sometimes the creativity of professional wrestling kind of gets lost with WWE. But when you own a company, your job, especially if it's a publicly traded company, is to show a profit upon the previous year. Yeah. And as much as that's an unpopular opinion, that's what a company's supposed to do. They're supposed to make money. Without making money, they're not able to pay the people that they employ. They're yeah. not able to put on the service that they offer. So as much as I hate WWE, I understand the position that they're in, unfortunately. Um, well, with that being said, I'm going to jump right in because we have a lot to cover. Yeah, and this kind of leads into where we start, right? You're going to start around like Black Saturday? Um, no, right? I'm actually going further back. I'm going to 1982. 1982. Because when you talk about the WCW, you can't, you can't, especially the history of WCW, you can't even go into the history until you cover, or at least the ending of Georgia Championship Wrestling. Okay. Um, They did change their name to WCW in that year, mm -hmm. but that was just for branding and they were no longer in just georgia right. they expanded their reach to ohio and michigan <clears throat> so they they kept gcw but had it under a bigger name of wcw which was only used like for cross promotions i would assume gotcha so if they were going into like a different territory and they were using multiple stars from multiple different brands or different yeah. territories for different promotions they would use that moniker because now you're not talking about just Georgia Championship Wrestling or Tennessee Championship Wrestling yeah. or Smoky Mountain. You're now talking about World Championship Wrestling. We're talking about the world, right? Yeah. So then in 1983, there was a power struggle which forced Jim Barnett to sell most of his shares of the GCW, which is Georgia Championship Wrestling, to conglomerate consisting of wrestlers and the brothers Jack and Gerald Briscoe. Okay. Um, and also, he was an owner, but he was also the, the head booker, which was Ole Anderson. Okay. Which is, I'm pretty sure, brother to legendary Arn Anderson. Yep. And also, Ole Anderson is also a legend. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I. it's really hard to find some of his matches, but I, I remember him being just incredible. 
it just it's it's that old southern style of wrestling like where it's all based around like a slow methodical pace of building over the course of like violence like of like hard strikes realistic slams realistic suplexes yeah that style so then april 9th of 1984 vince mcmahon actually bought the briscoe brothers share of wcw gcw for nine hundred thousand dollars, right? And Which, this is and, this is the eighties. That's fucking a lot of money. It's a lot of money, and it previously covered in our podcast about the NWA when Vince McMahon went on to Georgia Championship Wrestling. Was it still Georgia Championship Wrestling or World Class? Champ- it was or World Championship Wrestling. It was still it was GCW. It was GCW. So he also got their time slot. Right. Which it was on TBS mm-hmm. from six oh five to eight oh five PM on Saturdays. Which they were the first territory to actually gain cable cable television access. GCW was. And this is because they're in Georgia. Yeah. And I don't know if everybody knows this, but if you are a professional wrestling fan, Georgia is considered like one of the best places, specifically Atlanta, Georgia. One they of the take best their places. wrestling super serious. Super serious. And it goes back all the way to these guys, Dusty Rhodes, and they were funded by a professional wrestling fan and also billionaire in Ted Turner. That doesn't come, though, for a little while. Right. Ted but, Turner still has, he's just television. So because Georgia takes their wrestling so serious, mm-hmm. the core audience was not interested in the WWF's gimmick. So what Steve did not say, I'm not trying to interrupt you. No, you're fine. Um, but what we covered in the lat in one of our first podcasts, actually in the second podcast, the first chrono like that was kind of like a chronological view of the NWA, is that by buying out GCW, their time slot for TBS, they were actually syndicating house shows from the WWE or the WWF at the time of Bruno San Martino, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then if you want to pick it up from here, man. So, like I was saying, the core audience, they weren't happy about the WWF's gimmick-based approach. So, July 14th, 1984, fans t- tuned into TBS and saw it was WWF. Mm-hmm. Which, okay, they were pissed. They got even more mad when they realized it was just replays of stuff that was already happening to help promote other shows. Gotcha. So they started writing complaints to the network, <laughs> demanding the return of GCW. Gotcha. That's so funny. And I, which I, has gone down in history as Black, Black Saturday. Saturday. Um, but you know what's funny? I don't know if you have that in your notes either, but. Um, that wasn't a part of the agreement that they made. No, you know, I, I, I don't know why I, I didn't write that down because that was pretty imperative. It's all good. But yeah, that wasn't part of the agreement. Ted Turner wasn't very happy about that. Yeah, I bet. Also, can we just acknowledge my robot brain right now, Steve? <laughs> can you acknowledge my actual robot brain? Oh, actually, I did write it down. Did you? Adding more fuel to the fire despite promising original programming, Vince McMahon chose to just show clips from other shows. Man, how did I not remember I wrote that? Which angered Ted Turner. 
which was a major factor in his decision to discontinue the WWF on his network. Mm-hmm. Even though the Bris- Briscoe brothers sold their share, there were still people that had invested interest in it. Gotcha. That being Ole Anderson, Fred Ward, and Ralph Freed. Okay. So what Ted Turner did was he teamed up with them to create championship wrestling from Georgia. Gotcha. Okay. And then because Ted Turner, being that he owns all these television channels, they were quickly able to get a television deal with the new promotion, as well as acquiring Bill Watts' Mid-South Wrestling out of Oklahoma. Okay. So they were now expanding so that they could actually have a larger promotion that had a larger reach. So... Now we're in the greatest year in the world, 1985. 1985. Why, why is that the greatest year in the world? Because me and Penta were born on that, that year. Actually, the same day. Really? You yeah, I just the same birthday. Yeah, I just saw that because like, I bought Jericho's book. And in one of the, the things, it has match highlights. And I think it was like they were at a place in Mexico in 1993. Okay. And it said in the match note, this was the match that Penta and Ray Phoenix were at, and that's when they decided they wanted to be wrestlers. Interesting. Which I thought was cool as shit. That is pretty cool. Oh, that book is it's pretty good. Yeah. That's really loud and echoey. This is? Yeah. How about how about now? Sounds better. Okay, cool. I was trying to I was trying to eat these without making any noise. So I kept fucking with the microphone and I was like, ah man, I might as well just eat the checks mix away from my just, microphone. Yeah, figure out which one's your mic and then just turn your mic. Oh, wait down. a minute. Can I how about now? Oh my god, is that how we shut it off? Yeah, that's how we mute the microphone. Holy shit. Magic. All right, so <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. That's such a shit. <laughs> so it, in in 1985, McMahon sold his TBS time slot and the WCW name to Jim Crockett or Jim Crockett Promotions. So, so the new WCW, which was a combo of Jim Crockett Promotions, Championship Wrestling from Georgia, was now in the top. Was the top show on TBS. And Jim Crockett Jr. became the NWA president for the second time, which I'm pretty sure we covered. Like, a lot of this is we've covered before, but in order to start at WCW, we have to go back and reiterate things. Well, it's all pertinent because at the end of the day, like, we can't continue the history or look back at history accurately without starting with the origin. You know, this is probably... Towards the end of our research for the NWA. Yeah, it was, right. it was about. Because in 1992 or 93, no, 92, where they threw the ground, they threw the NWA championship on the ground. That's literally like 10 years removed from this. Yeah. Right? It's not that far back. So Jim Crockett Jr., who owned Jim Crockett Promotions. Jim Crockett. Crockett. <laughs> <laughs> merged his territories under one banner. Because he has all these territories. Um, it was the NWA World Championship Wrestling, mm-hmm. which pissed Vince McMahon off so much. The two companies attempted to outmaneuver each other to acquire key television slots. But it was 
the WWF who was able to win over St. Louis, which I'm guessing was like a swing territory at the time. That's where like the NWA is really like centered around. Yeah. So yeah. they got because they got St. Louis, they pretty much got all of Missouri as well. Which brought trouble to the NWH Central States, which I think Central States is its own wrestling organization. I guess. Its own territory. That's what it seemed like when I was researching. Well, I mean, because the NWA was just an association. It was basically like a union full of different territories that you could book a premier amount of talent. Like, they would have the NWA champions that they could book throughout each one of the territories. And they'd come and take on the local upcoming stars, essentially. And so, because the central states were hurting so bad... Jim Crockett came in. He's like, well, I'm just going to buy you. So he purchased Heart of America Sports Attractions, which consisted of Central States Territory, which had the rights to promote in Kansas, Missouri, and Iowa, which are all pretty, they're three big wrestling states. Yeah. And Iowa is the birthplace of the NWA. Yeah. Yeah. And Waterloo. The Gold Dust Trio and whatnot, right? Mm, no. No. I think it was. Um, It was a. I know that they had like a board of people. I think it was like Pinky George, was one Orwell Brown. I don't remember. It was five dudes. Oh, and that's Sam right. Muchnick. Right. It was five dudes, and then Sam Muchnick that made like they oh, formed Muchnick. the NWA, and then it was a board of eleven other. It was a board of eleven. So they had six other people that joined their board as well. So in 1987, JCP. That's Jim cheap. Crockett Promotions. Yeah, yeah. You like Just that cock JCP? play. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that, too. Yeah. He decided he's going to keep expanding. Mm-hmm. So he entered an agreement to control championship wrestling from Florida and Universal Wrestling Federation, which covered the states as Oklahoma, Mississippi, Arkansas, Texas, and Louisiana. You know what? It just dawned on me. The reason why Vince McMahon was so pissed off of championship wrestling from florida being acquired is because that's where all of his stars came from yeah if you think about it fcw is just a reiteration of championship wrestling from florida yeah essentially essentially yeah yeah and fcw if you don't know was uh what nxt was before nxt was nxt Mm -hmm. it was their feeder system where they would have a school and they actually had it here in tampa and was much smaller than the performance center now did you ever go to any, any of those shows? Mm-mm. I did. They did one at one of the armories at, uh, sorry, at a VFW hall near uh, St. Pete High School. So whenever NXT does tour, they usually wrestle here in St. Petersburg at the St. Pete Armory. Really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. And it's all like they're like up and coming guys, right? Yeah, but I don't ever, I always find out about it before it's, when it's too late and it's like, oh, I can't go to that. I also don't care that much about like i think that it's great and i think that i'm sure that the production value is amazing um for how small of a show it is but at the end of the day like it's it's just a it's just a just a house show it's all their trainees yeah it's just them testing out their moves it's it's no it's not it's not just that it's it's there it's the people that they are trying to figure out if they're going to make it or not essentially so go By acquiring these promotions, it helped elevate Crockett into the third term as his NWA president. So right now, Crockett Promotions owns NWA NWA, St. Louis, 
the Universal Wrestling Federation, Mid-Atlantic, Central States Wrestling, Championship Wrestling from Georgia, and Championship Wrestling from Florida. Okay. Which he eventually absorbed into WCW. Got it. So now, instead of being all these different individual territories, they are just now WCW. Now it's WCW, but they haven't taken on the WCW name yet because they're still under the NWA banner. Got it. Okay. Which I think they just use that as as like a jumping point for their name, kind of, you know? Makes sense. So with Jim Crockett Promotions had almost accomplished his goal of creating a national promotion. Even though JCP and NWA were two separate legal entities, with Crockett as NWA president, NWA was reduced to, on paper, just an organization funded by Jim Crockett Promotions. Oh, so he basically took control away from the NWA. Yeah, so it it literally, like I just said, it, it allowed... Jim Crockett to use the NWA name for promoting and just promoting. That's awesome. Because everybody knows the NWA name at this point. It's a it's a good business move. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the same year in 1987. JCP marketed the fifth installment of Starcade. So I actually didn't even know Starcade was that old. Yeah. So and now it's just a house show that WWE does. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> that's so irritating. So Vince, Vince being Vince. He promoted Survivor Series on the same night. So, and they're both um, pay-per-views. WWF wasn't going to stand for any kind of competition as usual. Right. They told cable companies that if they were to carry Starcade, that they would not be allowed to have any future WWF events. Right. Only five cable companies remain loyal to Jim Crockett. Basically creating a blackout. Yeah. They only made like he he only made eighty thousand dollars from oh, the cable company. Terrible. Yeah. That's god awful. But again, Vince McMahon being Vince McMahon, that's a pretty good business move. Yeah. And then in nineteen eighty eight, <clears throat> Jim Crockett started promoting Bunkhouse Stampede. And McMahon still wasn't, wasn't having it. For that. So he counter-programmed with the first ever Royal Rumble. And created the greatest match of all time. Yeah. And there, I didn't actually know that the first Royal Rumble was USA. on USA. Yeah. Did you know that? I know that we've talked about it, but I don't know if you remember. Um, Pat Patterson created that. Yeah, I do know that. Did you ever? Did I ever send you that thing from Cultaholic? Mm, you might have. I don't oh, know. Dude, it, they do such a good... That's my favorite of the wrestling channels beside i like adam blampier on parts fun known um he does a pretty good top 10 list and he's also like super eccentric but um they do a really good job of like explaining the history uh behind certain things like that a really good in-depth thing on the montreal screw job which has done been done a million times but yeah another one of those another one of those but the one about the Royal Rumble is amazing. Like it's super in depth, and it's a it's has actual quotes from like Pat Patterson and like his methodology. But anyways, back to WCW. Real quick, jump off off subject. Back onto the Royal Rumble. You know what pisses me off about the Royal Rumble? I don't know what pisses you off, Steve. This whole two feet touch the floor thing. So these motherfuckers are just like, oh, only one foot touch. Look, I'm balancing. Bitch, you're on the floor. You so, lose. So. Do you not like when Kofi makes his saves? 
It was cool the first time. It was all right the second time. But now it's just expected every year. Did you not like the chair? Did you not like the chair bounce? Oh, it's clever. I get it. <laughs> I get it. So hold on. Let me let me unpack this. You like wrestling when it's unpredictable. Yes. Okay. All right. Which, that's which fair. These that's days, fair. these fair. days, it's it's very hard to come by. Yeah. yeah. So, Especially with televised professional yeah. wrestling. So back on the topic. So the bunkhouse stampede did so fucking bad. It was pretty much the beginning of the end of Jim Crockett Promotions. Got it. Because it was fucking terrible. So, this is bringing us into October 11th of 1988, which you had mentioned. Tim Ted Turner bought Jim Crockett Promotions outright. So, that's not even 10 months. That's how bad that bunkhouse stampede did. Wow. That Jim Crockett had to sell. Put him under. Oh, yeah. Fucking Vince just being Vince. Doing Vince things. He's just a better businessman than everybody else. He's fucking ruthless. He's unbelievable, man. So, in 1989, it was starting to be a turnaround year for WCW. Mm -hmm. Ric Flair was the top guy. He was the WCW champ, the NWA champ. And the head booker, which I didn't know he was a booker for WCW. Multiple times. We'll get into that later, too. But he's been booker for them multiple times. Same with um, with Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, I didn't. I just skipped through Dusty Rhodes because oh, it's been done. It, I mean, and also it's like. And it's known. It's known. And also it is really not that big of a part of the history that I find to be super interesting like the no but blood policy um for it like that's not even that big of a deal dude wait until i talk about jim her there's something in here that he tried to make illegal that you're like what keep going so flair helped actually bring in a lot of big names like ricky steamboat and terry funk flair and steamboat probably one of the greatest matches of all time well their trilogy is amazing well, it was one of their pay-per-view matches in that 1989 year. Mm-hmm. It was the most financially successful match probably in almost wrestling history. Interesting. It's one of them. Not the, but one of them. And then he had young and up-and-coming stars like Sid Vicious, Sting, Scott Steiner, Road Warriors, Brian Pillman, The Great Muda, Lex Luger. They were all given major storylines, and some were even given championship opportunities. Cool. So, but Ric Flair is kind of selfish. (laughs) I mean, I'm pretty sure it's known. There was problems in the locker room because he was booking things in his favor. Got it. So it was pissing off the locker room. Well, I mean, are you telling me that the greatest wrestler of all time a 16-time world heavyweight champion didn't book himself to become world heavyweight champion? Like, one of the examples is... And to be fair, Ric Flair was that good. Uh, He was. Like, like, to be fair, if I was Ric Flair, I would have booked myself to be champion. That was a weird noise that came out of your body. It was my throat. (laughs) (laughs) So... This is one of the examples that shows that, like, I actually kind of agree with Flair on this. Okay. He was supposed to drop the title 
to Sting. Okay. But Sting got injured. Mm-hmm. So they changed the the outcome to be Lex Luger, and he wasn't doing it. Right. He was. He was just throughout Lex Luger's <laughs> career. He's just not. He's been booked to be the like top guy, and has shown absolutely no desire to be in that spot no. at all. <laughs> And, it, and I don't think that it's intentional. I think that he actually tried to be like this fucking cool professional wrestler. And I think that it just didn't hit with anybody. No. <laughs> so because of that, that's one of the big reasons that Ole Anderson took over as head booker again from Flair. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it only gets fucking wilder, okay. too. So this is when WCW began to began to gradually incorporate much of the glamour and showy gimmicks for which WWF was known for. Okay. <laughs> for example, <laughs> the appearance of RoboCop at Capital Combat in May of 1990, the Chambers of Horror match, and the notorious Black Scorpion, which all of these were so fucking unsuccessful. And also, just to be fair, Black Scorpion was Ric Flair. <laughs> to be fair, if you're going to book a shitty storyline, it better be about yourself. Ugh. So in addition to the aforementioned failures, house shows were dropping to record lows after Ole Anderson continuously pushed older wrestlers who were loyal to him. So pretty much if you were going to be loyal to Ole, he was going to book you. Hey, if I... That's like a trend in WCW. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Especially like with Eric Bischoff. He like yeah. only books the people that are like his friends. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So WCW was slowly separating themselves from NWA around this time. Um, it wasn't until January of 1991 when they would officially split completely from NWA and be- began to recognize its own champion as the and their own tag team champions as the only champions. Got it. So instead of promoting themselves as the NWA tag team champions, they would present themselves as the WCW tag team yeah. champions. So Ric Flair is the champion at this time mm-hmm. in 1991. Okay. Where they decided to hire Jim Hurd. When reading this, what the fuck were they thinking? He him and Flair, they butted heads so bad that Flair got fired. Okay. Before the Great American Bash. But in the process, Flair is the one that put the deposit down on this fucking belt. Which, okay. Which was... That's tw- the, what? The big gold belt, right? Yeah. 25... Oh, it, it was the WCW championship belt. Which was $25,000 that he put down. He never got his deposit back from them. So he fucking took the belt with him to WWF. And that's what Vince wanted. Vince wanted that belt. So he brought it. <laughs> this is the year, 1991. I'm so, I'm so proud of you for keeping that going while I got water. <laughs> this is the year that of 1991 that Diamond Dallas Page debuted. Who? Nope. Who? WCW. No, 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 no I'm no, not no, doing no, it. Who? Nope. Who? Nope. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> Who did you? What name did you How say? How about you fuck off? <laughs> How about that? How about that? 
How about you fuck off? <laughs> How the fuck did you work that in there? Why was that? Why was that relevant? Listen, man. Why was that relevant? We had a fan that wanted to know no, about no, Diamond no, no, Dallas no, no, Page. No, no, no. Fuck you, Maddie. Uh, <laughs> fuck you, Maddie. That did not need it. Like I there, I worked it in. There, you could have literally worked it. I'm gonna say Diamond Dallas Page. It's gonna be. When we talk about his streak with Goldberg. Yeah, but this was the year. I was in 91 era, so I was like, you know what? This was not in. I I worked it in. Fuck you, Steve. I worked it in. Fuck you, Steve. Eat my ass. (laughs) So WCW negotiated to use the NW name again as a co-promotional gimmick with New Japan Pro Wrestling. They also sued WWF to stop showing flair with the old NWA world title belt on its programming, claiming a trademark on the physical design of the belt. This is when flair would finally get his money back for the belt with interest, which came out to $38,000. And then crazy. Yeah. He, and he returned the belt once flair or once Jim Hurd was let go. Um, and just to be clear, um, the reason why, Jim Hurd was a terrible promoter is because he hated Ric Flair, did not like him, thought that he was past his prime and that he should retire. And he wanted to shave his head and give him a gimmick (laughs) named Spartacus, (laughs) where he would come out with a Roman gladiator shield and helmet and have an earring. And Ric Flair was like, this is the dumbest shit that I've ever heard and fucking left. So on top of that gimmick, this is other ideas that Jim Hurd had. The Ding Dongs, whose gimmick was they were obsessed with bells. A lumberjack. I almost almost spit my water out. Ding Dongs. (laughs) A lumberjack named Big Josh, which that sounds like a good one. But he was accompanied by dancing bears. And did you did you ever see that? No. Did oh, they dude. actually do that? Oh, dude, I saw that. I saw that when I was watching um, the network. Oh my god, I gotta look that shit up. It's so funny. I mean, it's just it, it's unbelievable. Like the incompetence that is in professional wrestling, and also just like just to show like how much professional wrestling actually derives itself from carnival culture. Um, I mean, it, it, with Jim Hurd though, I mean, like, it's so funny because they hired him because they were trying to get into more of like an economic boom period. They were trying to create another wrestling boom. They actually decided to go with him because he was like a former executive of Pizza Hut. And at the time, and he like, ran a, a television station, I think. Yeah. yeah. But like at the time, both of like those operations were like a booming business. Mm-hmm. And he was also a professional wrestling fan. So they were like, oh, we might, might as well let this fucking guy do it. He knows how to run a business. So one of the most infamous ideas that Jim Hurd had was the Desperados. Which, I mean, it sounds like a good work until I get to the description, which is a stable of bumbling cowboys. Do you know who he wanted to lead that, that stable? No. Was Stan Hansen. Who's well, that's, a, that's a pretty good... Description yeah, of Stan Hansen. He though. fucking felt so insulted when he was asked out. He just flat out left the company. He was like, "Fuck you! I'm I'm done. I'm not doing that." Stan Hansen is also known as 
a fucking maniac. Yeah. You've heard about the stories about how he would like, he, well, I mean, we covered it a little bit with the AWA mm-hmm. where he just refused to bring back the championship. He would, he wouldn't go and be booked as a champion when they wanted him to be. Which, and then this, I didn't know that because of Jim Hurd, he was the one that broke up the Midnight Express. And the road wires left also because of Jim Hurd. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't until 1992 when Hurd would actually get fired from the company. And they replaced him with Kip Allen Frey. But he didn't last long either. So then they brought in Cowboy Bill Watts, who was the actual first executive of WCW that was in the prof- professional wrestling business. Interesting. Since Jim Crockett. So 1992, it was just, it was a bad year for WCW as well. Watts made top rope moves illegal, <laughs> which and it, that's Brian Pillman and the Steiner brothers. Like that's their thing. Yeah, I mean, you do a Frankensteiner. I mean, that's. Did you know that that's something that Scott Steiner like made? Well, I mean, I would assume so with the name Frankensteiner. Dude, have you watched? Like, I have you recently watched? Like, I, I know that I have because of the new TV that I have has yeah. Impact Plus. But I'm going back and I've like seen like highlights of Scott Steiner and Rick great. Steiner. They, oh, dude, they were awesome. Oh, they were amazing. And his look, like when he had the long hair, like the long black hair, like, before he became the before he became the big bad bo- monster, became big baddie, big bad booty daddy. <laughs> so Bill Watts. <laughs> He wanted to bring wrestling back to the 1970s standards. Got it. But we had moved past that into yeah, a completely different time. We're in a new time. So this included... This is this is what's crazy to me. Like, What would make you think that this is okay? He wanted poorly lit arenas at house shows. And he wants the house shows in remote rural towns. Like, Why would you want that? So you're driving your business away from your own business. Yeah, like, why would you want that? That's not where people are. <laughs> like, he's probably like, man, we have way too many. We have, we need to get back to our roots. So. <laughs> we need to get back to our roots. So, I feel like that's like a not enough white people at my shows move, you know? It's like, <laughs> we don't want to be in the inner city of Atlanta. We want to be a business, but we don't want any customers. No. <laughs> It's a front. So. <laughs> laundering money. <laughs> so Bill Watts, this is, he's having clashes with management because of how much like he's just running, ruining the business. And he's also a fucking racist. And <laughs> he, I guess the, I, I couldn't find what was said, but there was some racial sensitive correspondence about hank aaron yeah and anti-semitic correspondence um about paul e dangerous and scotty flamingo who were both jewish yeah and scotty flamingo is raven by the way that's oh fuck it is yeah that's right as i'm writing it i'm like who the hell is scotty flamingo and then i remembered it was yeah it was him as a manager right yeah yeah so bill watts Pretty much resigned before he could get fired. Interesting. Yeah. Looks better on your resume. Yeah, hundred percent. So he would be replaced with Eric Bischoff. Mm. And with this, Eric Bischoff 
wasn't coming into this as a newcomer, right? Because he actually worked um, for the AWA. As a commentator, right? No, he wasn't a commentator in the uh, AWA. I think that what he was, he was actually... Um, I can't think of the word, but I think that he was more so like in production. He was like a, he was one of their other interviewers mm-hmm. and like occasional, um, an occasional commentator. But he then took over the commentary while Bill Watts was still in charge of the NWA or sorry, in charge of the WCW. And he went from commentator to executive vice president of WCW making this huge leap from one role to the other. And in turn, what he was doing, he also brought in some of the people that he had previously worked with over at the AWA, Mm -hmm. such as Jim Ross, where it would be pushing the WCW, the new WCW, into this new direction. And he was doing this to really impress Ted Turner. He was trying to justify his promotion essentially because Ted Turner was taking a pretty big risk on letting this newcomer who had never wrestled before and really had never worked it worked extensively in the professional wrestling business right um and due to this and due to Bischoff's inexperience um and also due to the lack of desire in the product because of all the damage that Bill Watts did Eric Bischoff had a terrible year in his first year. Uh, Booking was being done at the time by Ole Anderson and Dusty Rhodes. And this was considered to be uh, unsuccessful, mainly due to their childish and their cartoonish storylines and feuds that usually would fizzle out and go nowhere. And they had no buildup at all. They had no buildup. There were a couple examples that I don't remember. Um, but the one that I do remember, which is the funniest one, is the Shockmaster. Was that WCW? That was WCW. But he came over to WWF. Then, no, right? he was Typhoon in WWE. But I thought the infamous Shockmaster coming through the wall was WWF. It was WW WCW. Oh, I guess they were. They did been... it live. They did that live. The reason why that clip's there is because they did it live at the Clash of Champions. To try to build up a match over at Fall Brawl. Mm, okay. Yeah. And it also gets all confusing because WWE owns WCW now. And they yeah. use all their information. And they use all their content so that they can show the lineage of yeah. like, oh, look at us. We're the biggest wrestling company in the world. Blah, 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 blah. But, um, but because of this, they needed a new change. And that change was not in something new. It was in the form of the nature boy, Ric Flair. He was now in charge of booking again because they said that it was based around necessity because mm. all of their boom periods for success happen when he is the champion so and he's this, in charge of the book. Is this in 93? This when is in 93. Beat, when he beat Vader? I believe would so. would never which, happen in real which, life. At, at Starcade, right? Yeah. So... Yes. And they would unify the two titles, correct? I believe so. You would know more about that than I would, though. Yeah, this is September of 93. Um, They finally finally 100% pulled away from NWA. Okay. So then they had that their their pay-per-view where Flair 
I think, was the NWA champion. Okay. And Vader was the WCW champion. Okay. Vader would, or Flair would beat Vader, which would never happen. Do you know what's funny about that, though? Is that that wasn't, I don't know if Vader, it wasn't supposed to be Vader. That, or it wasn't supposed to be Flair. So Neither one of them were, one of one of the other was not supposed to be in the match. I think that it was Flair. Um, Flair had to take over that spot for Sid Vicious because, and he was like primed to be their new star. Uh, he attempted to fucking murder Arn Anderson in a hotel in England on their promotional tour for Starcade with like a pair of scissors when they got fucked up one oh, night. See, I didn't see that, but I believe yeah, it. Dog. Like it's, but it's a notorious story. It's insane. Where like they just got fucked up, and then Sid Vicious and Arn Anderson just started like going back and forth, and they were getting pissy with one another. Oh, I remember hearing about this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a crazy story. It's like, and Arn Anderson actually beat did beat, he beat the, the shit, shit out of, out of Sid him. Vicious. Beat the shit out of him. Yeah, like, that's saw right. the, Yeah, that's why they call him the Enforcer. Because he's he's he doesn't look like it, but he'll fucking fuck somebody up. I don't know about that. He looks like every high school football coach that i've ever met in my life that's the best way to that's describe, the best way to describe <laughs> arn anderson he looks like he fucked people up before he do, he looks like he still believes that he can but in reality probably can beat the no, shit now he just has other people to do it for him he can still do so, a fucking double a spine buster though yeah so i'm gonna correct myself it was actually june 23rd 1994 at starcade got it when flair would defeat vader and he would unify the title yeah, he would unify the belts. Okay. So it would make it one belt. The the big gold belt was used then to represent the lone world championship in the company. Got it. Interesting. And it was used all the way up until their their company's closure. Got it. Interesting. Oh, you're talking about the big gold belt. Yep. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah, and this is where I think that we start to break off from the NWA because NWA now no longer is affiliated with WCW. They mm-hmm. are now, you know, trying to find a new champion. And we covered it in the NWA where yeah. it ended up in a bingo hall. And this is pretty much the this end. This is pretty much the end. This is pretty WA. much the breaking off of WCW as a independent professional wrestling promotion. And with that, in 1994, Bischoff officially declares war on the WWF. Which... And by doing this... He kicks this off by signing high-profile wrestlers in Macho Man Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan. Which are the biggest names in wrestling right now. Who are the biggest names in professional wrestling. However, even though this logically makes sense from like a standpoint of like somebody... We have the most popular wrestler in the world. We're trying to attract these people to our audience. It was the bet... That was the bet that Eric Bischoff made... It did not work the way that he thought because the reasoning behind it is that most WCW fans were watching WCW because they were not trying to watch WWF. Yes, and now you just essentially brought WWF over. 100%. And I think that that's like the main qualm whenever we have a new wrestling promotion that comes up, right? Is that... And we saw it happen with TNA when... They started bringing over more WWE guys. I think one of the first ones they did was Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yeah, like, well, no, they did this. They did a huge promotion. Like, they they signed Hulk Hogan and 
had him take over the booking and he just he did exactly what like what WCW did yeah. where it was like I'm just going to bring in all my guys but instead of like them being current stars they were all washed up stars or people that were like WWE castoffs that couldn't that they were fan favorites but they weren't the guy yeah. and then it showed like I was like oh you guys really aren't the guy like you real like you're just mis- a washed up old sack of shit like mr anderson like i like ken kennedy he can talk he can talk his style it's boring yeah it's the same thing it's the it's more of that like brawler style where it's very predictable he should just be a manager that wrestles occasionally yeah um i mean i i mean i will say this is that i did like in certain people so jeff hardy i think had some of the best runs of his career he was all fucked up on on pills good for him but (laughs) he uh but some of the best work of his career was there aj styles his whole entire that's the beginning of his career all of his best work is in that company and also new japan yeah you gotta throw new japan new japan's a fuck it especially the the work that he did with okada and then the the shinsuke nakamura match I You've just seen recently, that, right? I just recently it's saw so that. It's so fucking good. It's really good. I don't know how they fucked that up with WWE. Very but, easily. WWE. <laughs> but um, but uh, going back to what we were originally saying about how um, Eric Bischoff was using all of these old stars or these current stars in WWE because they were still the hottest name in professional wrestling coming mm-hmm. off of the mega powers. They were not very far removed from their WrestleMania glory. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, this is like maybe not even 10, it's like five, five years. Yeah. Five six years. It's like five or six years. But with this, the way that they were able to lure Macho Man Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan was by doing something that was unprecedented. It was by doing guaranteed contracts for long extended periods of time of like three or more years, giving them guaranteed money contracts so that they would be able to make money no matter what, and giving them multi-million dollar contracts for the large amount of money for the extended period of time. In addition to that, and this is the last thing that I'm going to add about this, so I'm not running on, is... They had create. They had creative control, and that was unprecedented. That's huge That's, in that, like in the industry. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent control over your character. Well, not just the character, but like the storylines, who they would drop the title to. It became more of a political game at it, this point. It was good in the beginning, but you give Hogan that much power. Well, you give anybody that much idea. power, man. Mainly Hogan. Well. Yeah, that's a pretty good. Yeah, yeah. He's a fucking psychopath too. Yeah, but I mean, like it, that he that they made him like that though. You know, with all that shit, if they didn't he give him all that, all that to his head, he was a movie yeah, star. Of course, uh, the biggest rest. To be fair, draw. to be fair, people still know, like even though he has all this shit that's gone on, people still know Hulk Hogan. Like he is a cultural icon. Yeah, like he like he is like a snapshot of what America was in the eighties. Yeah, say your prayers and take say your vitamins. Prayers, eat your vitamins. Don't say nothing about the steroids that you're using. <laughs> Just put on a good face. Yeah. Nothing else matters. So around that time also, I don't know if you found this, but this is what I found. So in the mid-90s, Turner approached Bischoff. Okay. And he was like, how can we 
how can we successfully compete with the WWF? Mm-hmm. Bischoff just talking, not expecting shit from Turner because of what he's about to ask. He just threw it out there saying, well, I would. we need a prime time spot on a weekday. He did not expect Turner to say, done. Interesting. So he gave him an hour to start with on Mondays at 8 o'clock, which... That's a prime time spot. That's, and it's that's against Raw. 100%. That's awesome. So it, it would be later down the line where they introduced the second hour and then the third hour. When they would start to... Wow, this it's too parallel. Yeah. It's too parallel, man, with what's currently happening in professional wrestling. Yeah, they, like I with, mean... With Raw going to three hours, like, what? That was almost, like, six years ago now. Get rid of it. Get rid it's of it. too much, hour. man. Like, I only... book it better. No. Get um, rid Hulu. of the second... Get rid Hulu. of the third hour. This, if I do watch Raw, I'll watch it on Hulu. They take out everything, right? Well, they cut it down to an hour and a half, and it's just stuff that's... um Pertinent? Yeah. Which is cool, but at the same time, you don't get to see some of the other matches. Makes sense. But, I mean, none of it matters anyway. No. I mean, I wish that I could not say that. I can't wait for TNT to either be, like, to give you Dynamite on demand. I know. That'd be fucking great. So, <laughs> I would sep- love that. <laughs> the first episode of Nitro aired on September 4th, 1995. Okay. He really didn't. Like, I'm going to reiterate. Bischoff did not expect Turner to agree to this. Okay. Like it's That's crazy. Well, you got to think it's a prime type spot and it's wrestling. Do you have any more on that? Um, no. No. Okay, I just wanted to make sure if I was going to be picking it up well, right now. Well, that's the official start of the Monday Night Wars is when they went over to Monday that, Night that yeah. spot. Okay, that makes sense. Um so we uh flash forward to 1997. WCW has now entered their peak, right? And large part is due to the New World Order or the NWO. Yeah. And their storyline of how it's basically these rehashed guys from WWE and Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Hulk Hogan, where they turn Hulk Hogan heel for the first time in his career. Holy shit. I remember watching that live. My gosh, in Dude. Daytona, Florida, at the Beach Center. Holy fuck, that was in 96. That was in 96? Yeah, because I remember watching that and just being like, it's probably the first time in wrestling, in my experience in watching wrestling, that I've actually been like, holy shit. That's, Hogan just went to be a bad guy. Yep. It's like Superman... Like becoming a bad guy, you well, that, know, or like that, that kind of did happen in comics. Yeah. <laughs> or like Batman becoming a bad guy. That that happened in comics too. No way. <laughs> what? What are you, what yeah. are you saying to me? <laughs> it's, it's this is it's like Jesus Christ being the devil. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good analogy. Yeah. <laughs> that's a really good analogy. Um but the uh they gained this popularity because of how big of bad guys these guys were. They were so good at being fucking bad guys. Nash was amazing, 
Hall was amazing. They and were naturals. Hulk, and Hollywood Hulk Hogan was fucking cool, man. Like, that guy was an asshole. It was like Hulk Hogan was actually allowed to be himself. <laughs> so he was just super arrogant. He was just super arrogant, drove in Corvettes. E- egomaniac. Oh, my God. Yeah, he was himself. Great. He was just being himself, you know? Wrestling is his best when people's personalities are dial- dialed up to 11, right? Um, but the storyline that this was centered around was all centered around the NWO feuding with the Four Horsemen and a re-emerging Sting. Oh, the, the quote-unquote crow. crow Sting. The Crow Sting. Um, Sting was originally like the surfer dude that had like a crew cut flat top. The- fucking coolest next to vader that was my favorite was that sting i show people like the side by side and they're like which one's cooler and they point at the crow one and i'm like oh you guys don't understand you don't even know well i mean it it's kind of like he really didn't change his wrestling style but like young sting was super athletic uh and he had awesome face paint and a rat tail (laughs) the coolest curly q rat tail they made him champion yeah, I know. They made that version of Sting Champion. Because, uh, I don't know if you've ever gone back and watched, like, that... Him, that versus, Sting, him versus Flair? Or him versus Vader. Ooh, I haven't seen that. Fuck, man, dude. If you ever... If you don't... If you ever think that Vader can't move, watch that match. Dang. Dude, that's why he's one of my favorites. To the day I die. Well, anyways, going back... um, the feud with Sting versus the NWO actually led to uh, a main event in that year's Starcade, where it would be a year-long build where Sting would be hanging from the rafters or standing in the rafters looking down at the NWO. Bischoff was actually praised for this angle for letting the tension build between Dude. Sting and the NWO over the course the of a longest. year instead of hot shotting the angle. Yeah, it was literally the like you didn't ever think. Oh, I remember me that watching it. I, re- I was like, this is never gonna happen. I never, I never. My dad, we were WWE household. Yeah, we bought that pay per view. Did you just lock your? Like fucking an hour into those podcasts. I just thought of you know how my brain works, man. <laughs> I just thought of it. I can't help it. <laughs> not that not that anything is in the oh car that God. anybody can steal except I for hope that that's in the audio for this podcast. Oh, the beep beep? Yes, I really <laughs> hope. That's fucking great. Oh my god. That's how okay. my brain works, man. That, I, whatever. But going back to Sting versus the NWO. Um, it took a year for this build to happen, and Bischoff was praised for the angle instead of hot-shotting it, which in the wrestling industry is where you push an angle's outcome or like determined end before it's really ready to be ended. Mm-hmm. You have to build it up for the anticipation for the biggest possible pop. Um, a good example of this is Daniel Bryan's run to the WWE Championship, even though it was completely unintentional. Like the fact that they delayed gratification of that big moment until it was against the two biggest stars in the industry, and in Batista and Randy Orton. I'm 
pretty sure they did that with Kofi Kingston too, which was a complete accident. A complete accident. It wasn't even supposed to be Kofi. It was, well, it, was it was supposed to be Mustafa Ali. Yeah, and Mustafa Ali got hurt, so they threw Kofi in, and Kofi got such a fucking response and such a pop from the crowd. People love him, man. Which, I, 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 they've done him dirty. They have. They've done him dirty. I think that's the first time that WWE got has, it right. Well, mm. listen to the fans. And I'm sure it's happened more than once, but that's the that's all I can think of. They built that very well. Yeah. I and mean, they basically did the whole Daniel Bryan thing over again. Yeah, but it was just organic. Yeah. Well, they, they let the fans pretty much book it, essentially. And that was such a good payoff, too. Oh, yeah. That was such a good payoff. Yeah. Um, but the show, Starcade, we're going back to WCW, uh, also received a lot of criticism. Sting ended up beating Hulk Hogan for the WCW championship. One of the greatest matches. However, it was a screwy finish. Of course it was. It was a screwy finish. And they were critical because Hogan didn't lose cleanly. And that means without interference or any screwy finish to like muddle the result. So that people can be like, oh, well. You know, Hogan would have won if X, Y, and Z, you know, where Hogan did win because, you know, there was a fast count. I'm pretty sure that Starcade is the highest pulling numbers that WCW had ever done. It was the highest grossing pay-per-view that they'd ever done. Yeah. Um, But it was just funny because in the research for this, uh, and also just remembering, is that Bret Hart came out to the ring, and this was like right yeah, off he, the heels of the Montreal screw yeah, job. He brought he, um, Neil, it, Nick, Nick, Bratrick, Nick Patrick out, yeah, to make sure that the uh, match was officiated properly so that they could come to a clean finish. Um, but because of this, and because of the success that WCW had, uh, WWE, like we've said prior isn't going to let that stand. They strike back after the screw job. With WCW at the top of the industry with stars such as Sting, Hogan, Flair, and Nash, WWF actually leaned into their rising stars, such as Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, Triple H, and Mankind, and really rallied behind these storylines such as Austin versus McMahon, uh, really creating better characters in general, it brought more eyes to the WWE product because they were now focused upon stars that were going to be able to carry them into the 2000s. In response to this, WCW actually had a storyline where they split up the NWO into two factions. They had NWO Hollywood, which was all centered around Hulk Hogan and his friends, and then they had NWO Wolfpack, which was all centered around Nash and the Outsiders. And they had Sting in the Wolfpack. They had Lex Luger in the Wolfpack. You they remember that? They had a that? fake Sting also. I, didn't, I don't remember that. They had a fake Sting. That's so funny. That was a huge storyline because Sting disappeared. And NWO Black and White claimed they had Sting. And then Sting merged with the NWO Black and That's Red. so funny. The yeah. Wolfpack. That was what, 97? Yeah, that was 97. That was 97. Fuck. So, but because of this, um, 
a lot of people thought that this was just a rehash of the WCW versus the NWO storyline when the NWO first formed and was the hottest thing in professional wrestling. They just thought they were rehashing the storyline and it was a poor job. Next, WCW was trying to capture ratings um, to kind of continue this momentum of being on top. Um, They were trying to capture these ratings by putting in their own juggernaut of a superstar. So they're basically their own version of Stone Cold Steve Austin. And his name is Bill Goldberg. He was an ex-football star and is also probably one of the most destructive men in professional wrestling. Like, the streak, you remember the streak? Oh, uh, yeah, I remember it. That was it. so fucking good. Like, and it wasn't even derived around storyline. It was just this dude running through a roster but the thing that wcw didn't like anticipate was even though the ratings kept going up and up and up it wasn't sustainable because the more that goldberg ran through the roster the less and less competition that he had yeah so So it was very short-sighted for them to try to gain this new acquired audience or try to continue to pump up these ratings when it really wasn't sustainable in the end. Yeah. So it was sting versus bogus sting May 12th of 1997. And the bogus sting was a guy named Jeffrey farmer. His he's best known for his fake sting. <laughs> that's that's your one shot. Yeah, he had his shot and see you later. Nerd. See you later, dude. Get out of here. Yeah, this is that's what he looked like. Oh, that's a bad sting. Yeah. Oh, that's bad. No thanks. You can also play as fake sting in WCW versus, versus NWO. NWO or Revenge. I can't remember which one. That's cool. Um so with that, um, we have this streak, this undefeated streak, which was, I think, a hundred and some odd wins, right? The idea behind it was it was going to be Hollywood Hulk Hogan, who now is the WCW champion again, versus Goldberg. And they actually had this championship match on Nitro in the Georgia Dome. Do you remember that? When Hogan oh, beat Sting? He, yeah. Or yeah. sorry, not... No, no, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. When uh, Goldberg beat Hogan. Yes. I remember that because I, I thought it was going to be such a big thing in history <laughs> that I recorded it. <laughs> that you were there when you saw Goldberg beat Hogan. Just like when um, Mark McGuire hit that that home run to shatter the record. Yeah. I, re- I recorded that also. I don't know where that recording is, but I recorded, but recorded it. it. Hey, you were there, and history was going to be there. And then you know what happened is that YouTube happened, yeah. And then nobody needed to record anything yeah. ever again. Ever. I actually am curious now to know what Goldberg's record was. How long did his undefeated streak yeah. go? Do you have the number? I don't. But I was just going to continue to talk. Yeah, go, go. So. Uh, Goldberg would defeat Hogan in front of that capacity crowd 
and be crowned the WCW champion. WCW would win the ratings war for one final time after this in September of that year due to a match airing from the Halloween Havoc the night before uh, that actually was cut from the feed. So in order for them to kind of justify not giving everybody a refund, yeah, they aired it on Nitro. And this match was actually between Diamond Dallas Page and Bill Goldberg. And this was the last time that these ratings would be up and they would be beating WWE. Uh, WWE would then go on to basically dominate the rest of the ratings for the rest of the Monday Night Wars. Uh, shortly after... So Goldberg's record... Okay. I can't find out when he first lost, but his record in WCW... Oh, sorry. Oh, was 214 and 11. That's incredible. In... That's incredible. In all, I didn't know he wrestled in all Japan. He was two and zero. Interesting. WWE. He was thirty two and six. That's incredible. Yeah. So, even as a fifty year old man. Yeah, he's he's a monster. He's so protected. But after this, WCW would slide into what they would consider a creative decline, as well as excessive overspending to where they would try to like buy their way out of a hole yeah and the way they did that was by attracting celebrities such as jay leno leno and dennis rodman and (laughs) it's just so funny that like diamond dallas page and carl malone wrestled hulk hogan and diamond dallas page in the main event of a pay-per-view and then jay leno made several different appearances in like tag team matches with Hulk Hogan, right? I I think so. That's garbage. Dude. And that's not even like that's believable. Not even, that's not even the worst part. So one of them, I don't know if you remember I actually remember this. Like I was reading it and I remember this happening. Mm-hmm. Rick Steiner. Oh, Chucky? Trading barbs with Chucky. Fucking garbage. To help promote that. Bride of Chucky. But I didn't realize that movie is 1998. I thought that movie was like 2002 or something. I didn't know it was in the 90s. No, dude. Like that. Like I love Child's Play in that franchise, but goddamn, <laughs> fucking garbage. It's it's literally the RoboCop promotion all over again. A hundred percent. It's just so funny. Like looking at the history of these companies and how cyclical most of it is. It's like oh. Like, these are the bad business decisions that these other companies have made. My, Oh, we could do that. It's going to make us money in the short term. It's kind of like with WWE with this fucking Land of the Dead or that zombie movie with Dave Bautista. They got paid ridiculous money for that spot, bro. Zombies in wrestling. Chris Jericho said it, back, said it best. You just put wrestling back 30 years. It's so fucking dumb. I mean... Yeah, they fucked up. Like, they had all these big, old, these old wrestlers. No, they weren't washed up, but they're getting there. Yeah. But, but they had all these super good young stars. But here's but here's what started happening, is because they were afraid that these people were going to start leaving to go to WWE, or WWF at the time, they started signing literally everybody to guaranteed contracts, and at one point had 260 active roster members that were under guarantee contract that's a lot of money that's a lot of money 
That's more than WWE now. <laughs> That's more than WWE now. Well, especially because they're fucking firing everybody. It's crazy. Well, I mean, it, to be fair, look at the past. Yeah. Like, if you fucking have 300 people on your roster, like 250 people on your roster, and half of them don't even fucking wrestle, or they don't wrestle on television, they're not making you money, why the fuck are you going to have them around? Dude, they had young stars, like up and coming. They had Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit. Dean Malenko, Billy Kidman, Chavo Guerrero Jr., Eddie Guerrero, Perry, Perry Saturn, Ray Mysterio. Raven, Booker T, Ray Mysterio. Dude, they're just... Dude, Harlem Heat is probably one of the greatest hag teams. I love Booker T. He probably has my favorite like moveset for a professional wrestler. Yeah. They had like the most balanced tag team because you had... Stevie Ray, who was just the powerhouse. And he could just throw people around. And you had Booker T, who was strong, but he could also do the flips and the kicks. 100%. And now now that they have all these people on their roster, and they have like hemorrhaged all this money to make sure that everybody's staying on their roster, they start bouncing the booking between people until it finally lands on Kevin Nash. And Kevin Nash. Oh, Kevin Nash was booking? Kevin Nash was booking. I actually didn't know that. That's funny. And the funny thing that we, funny thing that I'm bringing this up is because Kevin Nash actually booked himself to beat Goldberg's streak after he won the World War III Battle Royal, which was a Royal Rumble. It was a Battle Royal, which is a Royal Rumble match. But instead of being in one ring, they had three over-the-top rope Battle Royals. To where the last two contestants would then square off in a match, I believe, in the middle ring to determine the... (laughs) (laughs) I did that on purpose to see what it would sound like. (laughs) It just sounds like somebody's taking a piss. Yeah, man. Of course it is. (laughs) You dingus. Uh, That's me peeing in a cup. But... uh, he booked himself to win a top contenders match and then beat Bill Goldberg by Scott Hall tasing him at Starcade, which broke the streak, which broke the streak and started to delegitimize WCW and Dude. lose its credibility. Then as a kid and not knowing booking, I know that that was a terrible idea. Oh, it's about to get real bad. Uh, because oh, wow. Are we getting into what I think we're getting into? Yes, we are. Because here's what happened. Is that in January of 99, they started promoting the rematch between Bill Goldberg and Kevin Nash. All the way up to that night where they said that this was going to be the biggest main event in all of professional wrestling. This is for real wrestling fans. (coughs) They even went so far to actually tell everybody um, that was watching their programming that on the other channel, WWE was going to crown a new champion and it was going to be Mick Foley. How big of a joke is that? They fucked up. They, they fucked lit- up. They literally made people jump from one channel to the other so they could see Mick Foley because Mick Foley, as Cactus Jack, was one of their biggest draws, especially when he was wrestling Vader. Yep. Those matches 
are fucking amazing, by the way. But Those it was are... it was Mankind that won it. Mm-hmm. It was Mankind. Yep. So everybody, and I remember when he won it, Degeneration X had him on his shoulders. Had him on his shoulders. Biggest pop. I think it was at MSG, too. Yeah. That was fucking crazy, man. It's, yeah. I remember watching that live at home. Because that was it was amazing. It was where Mick Foley, as a kid, went to see Jimmy Snuka. And he hitchhiked there. He hitchhiked there, yeah. We're Nick such, Foley has some of the such nerds, dude. He has some of the greatest stories. But anyways, back to this. Um, it was supposed to be Bill Goldberg versus Kevin Nash in the main event, and at the last minute, even though they've been advertising it for weeks as this rematch for a pay per view, they put Hollywood Hulk Hogan in Bill Goldberg's place. Jesus Christ! Hulk Hogan goes down to the ring. And it is what is now known as the finger poke of doom. Fucking ridiculous. Poked Kevin Nash in his chest, and Kevin Nash fell to the ground. Hogan counted him for the three, and they just start pelting the ring with trash. Dude. Pelting the ring with trash. It is an unbelievable clip if you haven't seen it. So it's a terrible wrestling moment, but the greatest heel moment at the same time. This is what is considered, though, as them killing the company. Like, this is, like, the, the start of this huge, def- like, downfall. Eric Bischoff was actually taken out as the head writer and was terminated. And they supplanted uh, one of WWE's head writers during the Attitude Era, the guy uh. that's actually credited for starting the Attitude Era. Jesus. Vince Russo and his colleague Ed Ferrara. What what year and month is this? This is 1999, bro. This is October. Yeah, man. And then because of this, WCW kept offering more contracts so that people wouldn't jump ship and so that they could keep the company afloat. So they kept hemorrhaging more and more money. But they were also trying to like phase out the top stars these motherfuckers they had they were they're literally just taking advantage of a billionaire (laughs) they were just trying to see what they could get away with you know dude ted turner was like yeah i'll give you all the money you want they they, i wouldn't be surprised if they were signing like writing their own contracts for millions and millions of dollars i know (laughs) but it was just funny because like they wanted he russo and ferrara Wanted to get rid of all the old stars. So basically what WCW has always done is taking something from WWE and just trying to do it again in WCW. That, that's fucking unibrow fucking Vince Russo. I know, man. And and that thing is fucking uni. <laughs> it's bad now, it's man. Thick. Yeah, I know, man. It's 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 just crazy because there were just like so many bad gimmicks. That were just popularized. Like, for example, the one from the article that I read was... So Vince Russo liked pole matches. So he put uh, Buff Bagwell's mom in a pole. Um, He had the the, uh, 49er match where they had all of the boxes with different things in them. One of them had the World Heavyweight Championship in it. It was between Booker T and Jeff Jarrett. And the way to win was you had to get the gold belt out of one of the boxes, but you didn't know which box it was. So you had to 
get up on the top turnbuckle and take the box down and get the belt. Yeah. And Russo also attacked Jim Ross. Oh, my gosh. They made Oklahoma. Oh, my gosh. And so everybody knows Jim Ross has cerebral palsy. And Ed Ferrara, which is the second in command for a national television show. Refreshing. You fucking tonight. Love it. (laughs) You love it, Uh, baby. So they, they even went as far as doing a pinata on a pole match between two Mexican wrestlers. Jesus. Who was it was I don't even remember who it was. Might have been like psychosis. Psychosis and somebody else. Yeah, I can't find who it was, but yeah, it's like come on, bro. For but real. God, man. It is actually terrible. But all of this is like transpiring to where they just make bad booking decision after bad booking decision to where they they had a bunch of bad luck in between, like when Bill Goldberg legitimately knocked out Bret Hart with a sidekick. Yeah, he. I'm pretty sure that was like, like one ended of his, his last career, matches. Ended his career. Uh, Bill Goldberg. I was at this show, by the way, where Bill Goldberg broke his hand. Really? Yeah, my dad took me to it. It was so cool uh, because I remember the scene where uh, Scott Hall was like getting ready. I think that he was showering and. Uh, he had Bill Goldberg had beat up his security guard, and then you saw Bill behind Scott Hall, and he beat Scott Hall up, and then Kevin Nash was in the limousine, or Hulk Hogan, I don't remember, but he was in the limousine, and uh, Bill went to go run after him, and instead of hitting the sugar glass, he hit the real he glass. hit the real glass and actually broke his hand. What an asshole! <laughs> Both of them, all but, of them, like. But that's impressive. Like that you yeah. punched a window so hard that you fucking broke it. That's not supposed to happen. I've done that before. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't break my hand. Like and an I, asshole. Yeah. Yeah. But in addition to that, like they also like even though they were trying to preserve all their young stars, the booking was so bad that this group, which in the WWE is called the Radicals, which was compi- comprised of the uh, of Perry Saturn, Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko, and Eddie Guerrero. Oh, that's right, because they wanted to be called. I think, if I'm correct, they would later go on to be the Horsemen, the new Horsemen. Yeah, because the because Benoit was in the Horsemen yeah, before, but they couldn't call him the Horsemen because I think WCW still owned the Horsemen. Makes sense. Mm, that sounds really sexy. Oh, thank you. Um. But they just kept making like these terrible booking decisions to where they kept falling in the ratings and they kept losing their talent to WWE. The only good thing that I can see coming out of this era of WCW is one man. And he's the five-time, 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 five-time WCW champion. And that's Booker T. He literally is... The only diamond in a coal mine in this era. Yeah, I 
don't think anybody else made it big. No. Like I could you can make the argument for Billy Kidman. Well, you can make the argument for Chris Jericho, but he didn't but he, but start he, but, in WCW. But he, he did start like he started in in ECW in, in the States for like his national television yeah. debut or maybe Smoky Mountain Wrestling. But those aren't the things that I remember. I remember him doing the thousand and four holds on WCW. But he didn't make a the big best splash. promo ever where he's saying all these holds and it goes to, it goes to commercial and he's on like 990 something moves and, it's and like, every other one is an arm bar yeah arm bar with reverse arm bar or something oh, he's just the fucking goat man but it even went as far as like all these bad booking decisions like i know that they kept letting all of their like good stars away and booker t was their champion, which was their biggest moment during that time because they it was like the first promotion to push like a fully African American man. Oh, are you talking about uh, hard bear, hard body Harrison? No, I'm talking about Booker Booker T. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. I'm thinking of what what happened or what I read about hard body Harrison in the February of 2000. Okay. I don't know why. Do you want to elaborate on that? Well, I mean, that's what I thought you were talking about. Fuck you, man. But what, no, I want to so, know what I want to uh, know what you're talking about now. So in February, so fuck you, man. Hey, man, calm down. <laughs> you're so aggressive. So in February of 2000, 12 wrestlers, including African American wrestler Hardbar- Hardbody Harris Sin, Harris Sin, <laughs> and Japanese manager, which everybody knows as Sunny Ono, they um. They all sued WCW for racial discrimination. Interesting. Yeah. And that's what I thought you were talking about when African American wasn't being pushed. No, 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 no. I was saying that they were pushing Booker T and being like one of the first promotions in a long time since I think WCW did with Braun Simmons when they made him the heavyweight champion. Yeah, so all these wrestlers, they were mad because they were being, they were given offensive gimmicks to their race. Oh, so that was the exact opposite of what i was saying yeah i don't know why i probably i just i zoned out <laughs> psycho steve just zoned out and central steve took over <laughs> took over i was just thinking it, of how no you weren't thinking you were watching the lightning play i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> you're watching the stanley cup finals <laughs> if anybody can you see my face <laughs> Listen, man, it's the Stanley Cup Finals. The Lightnings are in again. Come on, man. Got to give me a break. Hey, man, back-to-back chips. Got to get back-to-back chips. But here's how bad WCW got. Is that in, I believe it was April of 2000. You son of a bitch. (laughs) You know I wanted this one. I wanted that so bad, you son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Which is They crowned. David Arquette, <sighs> their world heavyweight champion. Fuck you, Steve. With Diamond Dallas Page as his partner. <laughs> Got him in again. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we kept seeing this unravel all the way to like Hogan having this like work shoot with Vince Russo, where they did see, another finger watching pony at that doom. Point. And then Booker T won it from Jeff Jarrett, who was awarded the title after he had laid down for Hulk Hogan. And then in 2001, 
in March 2001, the last episode of Monday Nitro aired where Booker T, who was the U.S. champion, cleanly defeated the world champion Scott Steiner to become WCW's final heavyweight champion and its final U.S. champion. It was in... Where was that at? Daytona Beach, I believe. That's right. Or Panama City. No, it was Panama City because of what happened later in that episode of Nitro. Was that that when it happened? Or was it Thunder? No, no, no. Where Shane walked out? Yeah. It was Nitro. Okay. Because I remember watching that, Uh and all of a sudden, Shane came on. That was probably my holy shit moment in professional wrestling. You know how... uh, you said that yours was Hulk Hogan going bad. Yeah. But mine was Shane McMahon walking out on Monday Nitro. Oh, and the crazy thing is they were showing Shane McMahon's speech on Raw also. Yep. So I was like, what is going on? I know. I was like, I was fucking blown away. I was like, this this never fucking happens. Well, also at this point, I'm like, I don't know about you, but... I was still hearing that wrestling was real and it was fake. Oh, so I, as a kid, I, I was, was like, it's blown. still real. So you and I are about 10 years apart, right? Yeah. So I was totally in that reality. Like wrestling was still 100% real. Then. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like it's, that was when the magic was still around. I won't and say that it's fake. It's staged because those guys, they take a beating to their body. I thought that it was the same as a sport. Same. Yeah, I thought that it was a sporting contest that did not have a predetermined outcome and that all these people just fucking hated each other and were bickering back and forth. And they beat the shit out of each other for real. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yep. 100%. And with that, with Shane McMahon going on to Monday Nitro and effectively starting a storyline within WWE, it killed off WCW that's when WWE actually bought it from Ted Turner for, I think, around $4 million, which, which is crazy to me. 2000, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look and see how 2001. much. 2001. It was $3 million. $3 million. Yeah, I wonder how much $3 million is in today's money. That's, I mean, it's 21 years it's ago. 21 years ago. That's not that big. It's not that big of a difference. I wouldn't think. It might be like. But still, I mean, comparatively to what WWE has been able to parlay that success into, yeah, it's incredible. Like how they've made like this juggernaut of this media company that's possibly going to be bought out by NBC for like more than a couple billion dollars, yeah. which is insane to me. But with that, they effectively killed off WCW. And this was definitive after... There was a WCW heavyweight championship match between Buff Bagwell, who was a WCW wrestler at the time, and Booker T on Monday Night Raw, where they had the WCW announced team, and it was in the main event of that show. And the whole point of that was they were going to actually replace Monday Night Raw with Nitro and then create a separate WWE brand. And just kind of like lean into SmackDown so that they could have two different companies, two different brands within the same Mm -hmm. company and have like a war the same way that we in a different way, but in a similar way that we have Raw and SmackDown today. It it didn't work because it was too staged. And three million in 2001 and today 
is only $4,689. That's not that big of a difference, but that's still like... You're almost doubling your money, but that, but for what they've been able to make it into, yeah, it's incredible. But with that, guys, we have ended our episode of WrestleOlogy. Uh, please go and follow us on our social media at WrestleOlogy Podcast on Instagram. Our email is at WrestleOlogy, not at, why did I say at? Our email is WrestleOlogyPodcast at gmail.com. So if you ever want to lay a suggestion down of what topics or storylines that you want us to cover next, we're open to suggestions. Or if you just want to tell Luke how much he sucks, that's cool too. Oh, you got nothing now. You got nothing. You got nothing, kid. You got nothing. (laughs) (laughs) You got nothing. Your face is crazy right now. I know. I wish wish we had a video. Because I feel like my facial expressions are what really sell everything are you sure yeah <laughs> have you not seen You're my face eyebrow. oh i can do the people's eyebrow boy <laughs> i can't do that though just one side at wrestleology podcast on instagram wrestleology podcast at gmail.com underscore at underscore wrestleology on twitter and then look up wrestleology podcast on facebook And then, most importantly, give our station a follow, a subscribe, a like. Share it with your friend. Share it with your mother. Share it with your cat. Share it with your dog. I want you to share it with your dad Mm. so we can all be friends. Yep. But this has uh, been a wonderful episode of WrestleOlogy. My name is... It's been a lot. This is a long episode. It was good, though. It's a good one. I like it. I, I, I... what was that was you yeah this is my my dad asked me if i was at the game see see i want to be friends with your dad and he just knew what's up we're gonna watch gossip girl together oh my gosh well with that my name is luke bad news burton i'm psycho steve fury also known as sensual steven fury this has been an episode of the wrestleology podcast thank you guys for listening i love you